Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, hello, all of my beautiful freaking people. Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. You guys, I get DMs all the time saying, what do I do when my friendship ends? How do I handle it? What are the types of friends I should even fucking have in my life? Shit gets different each decade we get older. And today's episode is diving in to all of that. It is such a good one. Sit back, grab a fucking cocktail, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh, no, she didn't. All right, y'all. Today is such a good episode. I am so excited for this conversation. Florence Ann Romano is here with us today. She is a personal growth strategist, a philanthropist, and she is the author of Build Your Village, A Guide to Finding Joy and Community in Every Stage of Life. It's such a good book. Can confirm. And this interview is going to touch on really important topics on friendship and building your village. We're going to talk about the importance of your village at every stage of your life, the six different types of villagers that you should be finding to have a fully functioning village and what their qualities and characteristics are. How to identify who these people could potentially be in your life. Is it okay to have a smaller village? What happens when like friends start fucking dropping off? when they're not reciprocating the effort that you're putting in. We're going to talk about being a part of a village and how you need to show up for other people and what a primary village versus a secondary village is and what the fuck to do if you lose your community, whether that's by happenstance or if you move across the country. This episode has so much goodness in it. I cannot fucking wait. Sit back. Enjoy. Let's get Florence on. Lawrence Ann, welcome to FML Talk. I am so excited to have you here and I am so excited for this conversation. Oh, Gabrielle, I already love you so much because you have my sister's name and I love her. So that means I love you. And I'm so thrilled to be here because uh, your energy already is making me feel so connected to you. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) Can you just give everybody a little bit of background on who you are, how you came to write this incredible book that we're going to be talking about? So back in the day, as they like to say, I was a nanny for over 15 years and it was a beautiful time in my life and uh, the seasons changed, uh, the winds changed as Mary Poppins would say. And after 15 years, I ended up moving into uh, a career in digital content and ran a business for a long time doing that. And at the same time I was doing that, I decided I still wanted to stay connected to my roots in childcare and childcare advocacy. And I wrote my first children's book, Nanny and Me, to help children understand 
understand the background and the reason why you have your parents and then you transition from being taken care of by your parents to being care taken care of by a nanny or a caretaker, because that oftentimes can be traumatic for children to understand that transition. And I started really talking a lot about childcare advocacy in the new millennium. And then we got hit with COVID. And uh, I started looking around at kind of the ecosystem of all of our lives. And on a global level, we all knew what it felt like to lose our support systems. Yeah. And I would hear moms very often bemoan the fact, you know, they talk about this village. It takes a village to raise a child. You know, where is the village? You know, is there a phone number to call? Is there a roadmap? Do they show up at your front door? Like, where the hell are these people? <laughs> and so I said, you know what? I'm I'm done kind of not talking about this in a way that's going to be helpful. And I also want people to understand that just because you have children, it doesn't mean that qualifies you to a village. You, if you don't have children, also deserve to find your people. So I wanted to create a book that gave that roadmap, but also created six archetypes of villagers that you identify with. Who am I of these villagers and who do I need of these six? And hopefully a book that's evergreen in nature that no matter what goes on in your life, whether you're 15 or 80, if you feel isolated or disconnected or going through mental health or emotional well-being issues regarding connection, that this is a place you can always go and figure out how to take that step. I love that so much. And I think it's so important. So many times people write in to me in my DMs and they're like, Gabrielle, why do I feel like uh, the older I get, the smaller my circle is getting? And I yeah. feel like, you know, there's a grief that comes when you lose friends and people grow and people yeah. change. And so many of us deal with this. And I love that it's all in one place for you to kind of go to and refer to in this book. So the book is called Build Your Village, A Guide to Finding Joy and Community in Every Stage of Life. And I love that it says in every stage of life, because what you need in your teens or in your early 20s is so vastly different than what you right. need in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s. So I really love that it kind of like encapsulates all of that for us to have a little reassurance that we're not just like floating through this journey alone. Thank you. Well, that's exactly what I'm hoping is that people do feel it's it's a place they can go again, like an anchor. It's a place that they can it, they can work at like a workbook. It's really meant to do that. And in, in the book I have at the end of each chapter, gut checks and action steps. So the gut checks are what did I learn here? And the action steps are what am I going to do with this information now going forward? What are the steps I take? Because we've all been there, Gabrielle. We read those personal growth books, those help help books. And you're like, um, as you're reading it, I'm not going to do any of this. Not gonna, <laughs> it's hard. And no, thank you. And so I, I understand. And so I wanted to hopefully write a book where you're like, okay, yeah, these suggestions in terms of action steps, I can do this today. That's doable. It's not such a heavy lift. I can wrap my fingers around that, my hands around that. Because again, you know, life is hard enough. We have enough going on. We're overbooked and tired and cranky and hungry and all these different things. The last thing we want to do is pick up a book where we're like, thank you so much for giving me all these tools that are absolutely ridiculous to implement and right. I have no time to do it. Right. So like, let's I make just do it. don't have the fucking energy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just don't, I mean, like, I mean, it's really like, you just laugh. Like, you know, in those moments, like you look at something that's so ridiculous. I've done that so many times where I'm like, oh yeah, like laughing in the face of it. And I've done that. I've been there. And I'm hoping that through all my mistakes, through all my failure, through all my life experience with all this, shit. I'll tell you, I hope it is a place where you can feel reading it, 
that you're like, all right, she did a lot of the ick for me. She went through it and here she sifted through the muck and this is what ended up coming out as I think this is the best strategy. But by no means, by no means am I perfect or do any of this perfectly. I am doing the same work that all of you are all the time. I fail, 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 constantly at it. But the best part is knowing that you're not alone in that and not being afraid of the failure. There's nothing wrong with doing this work and failing at it and having to try again and trial and error and all of that. Just like anything in life, you have to want it. You have to want it. You want to have to, you want something to change in your life, then you're going to have to change it. It's going to start with you. Oh, absolutely. I love it. Everything you just said, I'm like, check, check, check. So before we get into the village and the different types of villagers, you talk a lot about a friendship recession. And I Mm -hmm. really think that that word is, or that phrase is really poignant right now, because I have felt in my life that the different stages I go through when the book became successful, there were definitely like certain people that dropped off. When I got married, there were certain people that dropped off. When I got pregnant, there were certain people that dropped off. And it started like evolving into this, like the older I get, I feel like the smaller my circle gets and I'm okay with it. I actually prefer it that way because as we're going to talk about later in the episode, part of having villagers is being one to other people. So start with like, what is a friendship recession? Can you like kind of describe that to everybody? It really came out of COVID truthfully, because, you know, we were all isolated for so long and then it was time for us to get back out there and connect with people. And what we were finding was that it's not even that we didn't know how to do it again, because we kind of were like newborn babies. We're like, ah, it's like, it's too bright. It's too much. It's too much stimulation. Don't want to do it. Don't want to be next to that near it. And so we figured that out, that yoga pants and Netflix way more interesting than (laughs) one-on-one connection. But after we realized that, we took it one step further and we're like, all right, not only do we not... Uh, know how to do it again. This feels very foreign. We don't want to do it. And that changed like that ripple effect of, Mm -hmm. of friendship. The effort was no longer there. The desire was no longer there. And then people all of a sudden started to look around and they're like, my mental health might be suffering a little bit. I feel very isolated. I feel very alone. Why am I waking up with this empty feeling in my heart and my gut, whatever it is? And I think that's what started this whole theme of the friendship recession was because we were seeing less and less people putting effort into connection. Mm. And it took all of us figuring that out kind of together again on a global level that the thing that was missing was your people, was your support system. To go back to what you said before, though, is an important note. Your circle can be as small as you want it to be, as long as it's fulfilling you. It is quality over quantity. I will never be a person out there that's like, okay, you have to go out there and get a hundred friends. And that's the only way you're going to be happy. Or your calendar needs to be chock full of things seven days a week all the time, or else you're not going to be happy. I'm telling you, Gabrielle, some of the loneliest people I know are the busiest Yes, and have a ton of people around them all the time. So there is a very big divide, I think, uh, with people when it comes to actually defining what it means to be satiated by friendship and connection. Yeah, absolutely. 
summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. And I think, you know, the more people you have that you are, you know, committing to showing up for and committing to yeah. putting that effort in, that's exhausting. Like I have people now awesome. that, you know, I went to high school with that I haven't talked to for like so many years or that I was right. friends with a very long time ago that'll reach out to me and be like, oh my God, how are you? Like, we should get coffee. We should do dinner. And I'm like, that is so fucking low on the totem pole. Guys. <laughs> like, if I'm being real, like my friends in my life that like put effort into my life have priority and I'm fucking busy. So like the thought of yeah. like going on a frivolous coffee date for an hour with someone that I'm probably not going to see again, or even like the whole exchange back and forth, how we always bullshit each other. Be like, oh my God. Yeah, I would totally love to do that. When you have no intention of doing that. You know what I mean? Exactly. There's no follow through at all. We all no. know that. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, listen, I, someone said to me once and I was like, God, that's so true. Said, listen, people do what they want to do. People don't do what they don't want to do. So what do you want to do? You know what I mean? Like, it's as simple as that. We do yeah. what we want to do. And, and the older we get, the more empowered we feel to not deal with the frivolous or the extraneous or the things that don't bring us joy. It's like the, you know, Maria Kondo, like of your life, like of your like ethos, like if it doesn't bring me joy, I'm not doing it. And the busier you get, the more loaded your life is, the more responsibilities you have, you know, you, you said something very important about you give to the people that you are feeling give to you that reciprocation. And I always say sometimes to people, my dance card is full. I just don't have room anymore for anyone else to be giving to because I'm tapped out. I'm right. at my max. I'm not looking for new friends necessarily, you know, and that's a very honest statement. And sometimes I get pushback about that from people like that. It's mm. a very selfish statement. But the reason we do that, I think, Gabrielle, is say like, you know, I'm not going to follow through with that. I have no intention of doing that. That doesn't bring me joy. That's not something that I'm going to put effort into. The reason we do it is because we're actually thinking about the person on the receiving end. Totally. It's not fair to them. 
because I'm not going to put an effort into creating a relationship with that person. And I feel like I'm almost like in a dating situation where you're like, you're like, I'm going to ghost you. I know it. I'm going to go, you know, and you don't want to be that person. So it's not selfish. You're actually thinking of somebody else when you're making these decisions. 100%. And I've been on the flip side of it where there are people that I was super close with in high school that I would love to get together with and like see and foster that relationship still. And I will reach out and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I would love to totally. And then won't follow up. And I'm like, on my end, I'm like, just fucking say like, I love you. But like, I'm I'm so tapped out and I'm good. Like, it's the same thing as when you're trying to let someone down easy on a dating thing. Like you said, it's like, just speak the truth. And everybody can be like, cool, no hard feelings. Like, let's just like be honest and flat out with each other. Just be honest. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, you can say what you mean and not say it mean. I mean, it's very possible, right? It's about tact. It's about finesse. It's the nuance of how you phrase something, you know, and and it's okay if you need to sit with it for a second and think about how you want to handle that situation. So just like word vomiting everything, you know, like, you know, I think being thoughtful about it is important too, but also being honest is important. So there's a way to do that and not come off feeling like you are like the biggest, you know, bitch, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 there, I felt bad even saying it out there. I mean, so, you know, just like figure out how to say it in a way that you're going to be proud of yourself when you go to sleep at night, knowing that you respected that person. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Okay. Let's dig in to <clears throat> building your village. Obviously. I mean, when I think of what is the importance of a village at every stage of life. Like I kind of have my own idea of why that's so important. I think many people will hearing that, but like from your perspective and in the book with what you write about, like your support system for your like mental, physical, emotional health, Right. what is the importance of having that village for an individual? Well, you know, we're not meant to do life alone. I, I, that, that's just the truth. And there are two things I think that get in the way of us really connecting or trying to form those villages for ourselves or communities or tribes, however you want to put it. I think first, we don't want to inconvenience anyone. We mm. think that if we are going to ask for help in some sort of way, that we are going to inconvenience them. We're going to have a debt that we have to repay to them. And we don't know when we'll be able to do that. So it's not worth it because I'm too nervous to, to you know, get into that transactional relationship. So that's number one. Number two, the fear of rejection. Mm. Putting yourself out there, very difficult to do in any sort of way, whether it's dating or friendship or otherwise, the fear of rejection is there. I don't care if you're 15 or 80, you are afraid of it. And um, that I think also hinders us from putting that hand out there or taking that step forward because that can be very paralyzing. So when you couple those things together of I don't want to ask for help because I'm going to think I have a debt to repay or that I'm weak and I'm afraid of being rejected and how that's going to affect my emotional well-being or my self-esteem, that seems like two kind of really big things that are two pretty big obstacles to try to get around. And it's difficult also too to navigate those things alone mm-hmm. because you're going to be your worst enemy in your mind trying to rationalize all of that. And so for me, you know, the village, I was born into an old school Italian family, multi-generational home. My grandparents lived with us. I'm the oldest of four children. My first best friends in life were my cousins. You know, I, I mean, we had a huge family. I was constantly surrounded by people eating and screaming and yelling and fun and all that. 
I grew up and realized that not everybody had the same life that I did. Not everybody was born into that same thing. So I knew what village felt like for me. And I knew it to be this wonderful thing. But then I grew up and realized that the world looks a lot different to a lot different, a lot of different people. And not everybody gets that. And don't they deserve though, once they're older, don't they deserve to choose that then? Mm. Don't they get the power to say, I do want to choose a family and friends like that. And how do I do that? How do I create that world for myself? I want people to feel empowered to do that, no matter what you were born into, race, creed, background, whatever, that this is yours for the taking. You do and deserve to find your people and to create that for yourself should it not have been given to you naturally. Yes. Oh my God. Everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) 100%. I, I fully agree with all of that. And it does fluctuate through the different stages of life, like depending on your age and like what you're going through at the time and like the different types of emotional support that you'll need. Right. So, well, okay, let's talk about, let's get into some of the different types of villagers before we talk about what happens when you have to let go of some of these friendships. I think that's like a really important topic to touch on as well. Right. So can you talk to us about some of the different types of villagers that you need sure. to have a functioning village? Like what are the qualities and characteristics that they have? Sure. So the six that I have in the book, you know, and this is the fun part, I'm going to give you the six. And I bet listeners out there, Gabriel, when I say the six things, you are automatically going to start casting these people. In 100%. Your head I mean, you're, right talking, you're talking to someone that comes from the film industry. So I'm like ready to cast my movie right there you now. <laughs> Gabriel, that's it. That's it. You took the words out of my mouth, girl. That is what we are doing. We are casting a play, casting a movie. These are your main characters. And I'll get into a little bit also too about those main characters and recasting and all sorts of things like that. That's the fun stuff too. Okay. So accepting, dependable, communicator, cheerleader, organizer, and healer. These are the six that I created. Now, the arc, you know, the definitions that go with each of them, we could kind of run through it, you know, very quickly. I always say the accepting one is the most important one that you cast first. It's your non-judgmental one. Right. Your dependable one is your emergency contact. Your communicator is the one that you know is going to get the things done. And your cheerleader is the one that no matter what you're going through, they're not only just going to be rah-rah, good job, they're going to be there to actually help support you through kind of all of it. When you need the motivation, when you need the tough love, all that, that's a cheerleader too. Mm -hmm. Uh, The organizer is the person you think about who's doing the meal train when someone in the community dies and they're making sure that, you know, there are arms around them, people looking out for them. And the healer, it's the person that is going to be walking with you through it, whatever the it is, but they are not there. And I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on that, not there to fix you, fix your life, or fix the problem. Right. They are your North Star. They're there to walk with you through it. So, you know, I go into a lot more detail in the book about those six archetypes and those people. But to me, those people also permeate each other. There's a lot of ebb and flow. You know, sometimes the organizer characteristics seem kind of similar to some of maybe the dependable ones. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's also okay if you sit there and think, gosh, I think I have like five accepting people, accepting villagers in right. my life. More than one person can hold more than one role. But it's fun to start doing this exercise because you think about the low-hanging fruit. 
Who do I currently have in my life and how do they fit into these roles? Then you start to see the gaps. Then you start to see where you need to build or where you need to start putting some effort in. And you also start to see where people are sitting in the wrong seats. Right. Like, why are you hanging on the tree? What are you, what, what nutrients are you producing? <laughs> Take a weed whacker to that and just go at it. I mean, it's true. I Listen, I said this the other day to someone. I said, you know, you write this book and it seems like it's all very warm and fuzzy and like a big hug and a tray of chocolate chip cookies and everyone deserves people in a community and yay. And that's true. Yes, that, that there's something warm and fuzzy about it. But also this work is hard. This work takes vulnerability and honesty, and it takes going inside yourself in a way that might be uncomfortable. It's going to take you being brave in ways that maybe you don't want to be. But if you want something new in your life, something you've never done before or had before, you have to do something you've never done before. Mm -hmm. So I may be asking you to be a little brave in places that don't feel so comfortable to you. So you know, I say that not to frighten anybody. I say it to say it's okay if on the first or second or third try, you're not exactly getting it or it's working for you or you need to change your tactics. Like that's what this is about. And again, I fail at it all the time too, but I want to also demystify that notion that everybody is just walking around with these beautiful villages of people behind them and there are no problems that we just right. live in this like nirvana. It's not bad. Yeah. 100%. Supposed to be that. I know, like we all wish it could be that, but like, let's like, like, like live in reality for once. <laughs> let's learn. I mean, the lesson is true. Let's be honest. Life is not fair and it's not easy and it's never going to be. So, you know, let's, let's just like get that out of the way. We've said it yeah. now. Let's move on to the reality. It's so funny because when you start listing those six, I'm like, mom, 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 mom. And I'm like, okay, so who's like the understudy to mom? Because she fits, my mom and my husband fit so many of those archetypes that I'm like, okay, who's the understudy to all of those? People? I love that though. God, that's awesome. I love that. The understudy. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's beautifully said. And I, ha I do have so many friends that come to mind that I'm like, okay, this person would be here. This person would be here. So I love getting to kind of like sit down and take what you wrote in the book of these archetypes and like cast the people in your life because it really does yeah. give you a perspective that's not so like in the muck of like trying to deal and like handle with all these friendships. You can like step back and look at it from a little bit more of like a fun analytical place and be like, okay, like who are the people that I have and like, what purpose are they filling? And like, who am I still in need of? And like, who are the right. people that are just sucking my fucking energy and like are, have been my friend for 10 plus years, but like, aren't really doing shit anymore. <laughs> you know what? You remind me of something. Brene Brown talks about candle blower outers mm. and that I loved it when I was watching a thing that she did about it. And, and she teaches her children this from a young age, that there are people that are going to want to blow out your candle and blow out that light. Yeah. It's the same thing you're talking about, like energetically, like who's taking your energy and sucking right. it from you. And as you get older, you get more and more aware of that. And we should, because yeah. I'm a people pleaser by nature. I'm a Libra. I'm a caretaker. I'm a this, you know, like I kind of, and I spent so many years 
caring about what people thought in a way that was not healthy. I understand caring about what people think when it's someone you respect, yeah. when it's someone you love and uh, you know care for, when their opinion and matters because of the way they live their life, their values, you respect them. But I was caring a lot about what people thought of me when I didn't really have a high regard for them. And I'm like, right. what am I doing wasting my time with this? And also putting my energy into a relationship with a person in whatever way I was where it was completely depleting me. It was a lesson it took a long time to learn. I'll probably still learn it my whole life, but I certainly am more aware now yeah, of it. And, I, I, and it's okay. You know, I, I, yeah, I identify a lot with that. I, I am a people pleaser and it's been even exacerbated because of the book and my like presence in the world now. Like even with people that I don't know that just like are making certain comments on social media that from behind a computer screen. And I'm like, why am I caring so about brave of them? Yeah. Right. Like what, yeah. why am I caring about what this person like has an opinion on? But like, you do though, right? Oh yeah. It totally. hurts. It yeah. hurts. It's a I, lot I, to I, navigate. I agree. I yeah. agree. But you know what? Someone said to me once, may have been my therapist, because you know, right? You get, I'm like almost 38. I'm almost 38 years old. I think every sentence I start with now is like, my therapist told me. <laughs> and, you know, she said to me, we don't want to change your heart because that's good. But we need to change the way you're reacting to managing other people's feelings, you know? And I thought about that for a while and I was like, yeah, you know what? And I'm saying that back to you, Gabrielle, we don't want to change your heart because someone writes something that hurts your feelings. I'm happy that you're not happy. Your feelings got hurt, but happy that some like people like us still have that nerve that can be hit, still have totally. that heart that can be bruised because that means we're still staying true to who we are. If we ever get to the point where we're so impervious to anything anyone says then I wonder how that's hardened me in ways that I don't want to lose myself. Yeah. So I'm okay with that sometimes, the hurt sometimes like that. But what I need to work on is my reaction and yeah. how long I also let it affect me. Because mm -hmm. that can be a hard time too for me. Oh, yes. Sometimes it can ruin a whole day. Yep. And I'm like, I, you know, and I'm like, great. I gave that person my whole day. And yeah. why? Yeah. And like, meanwhile, they're not affected whatsoever. They're just like going on living their happy Joe lucky life. <laughs> exactly. They're off, yeah. you know, being someone else, you know, like slapping a Slurpee out of the kid's hand in a mall. Like who knows what they're doing? I mean, you know, like I, it's like, I, you know, but I'm sitting there, you know, festering and festering about it all day long. And I'm like, I lost a whole day because of this guy. So, you know, yeah, that's something to work on. So sorry, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole there with that. The I audience is like, right now like, I know the audience is like sitting here listening going yeah I've fucking been there for sure <laughs> okay so we've talked about the six types of villagers that you're looking for casting in your life how do you identify those potential villagers you know the first thing I always tell people because this seems to be the step people get caught up in that it's like I don't even know where to start philanthropy for me has always been very important and I understand listen we're all busy it's hard to say you know oh gosh now I have to sign up for something and give back or whatever it is there's ways to do it that can work into in your life but for people that feel like after you've done the exercise of like the low-hanging fruit who are the people that are currently in my personal ecosystem now I'm looking for outside people uh, one of the ways I've always done it is think about what's important to me right now in my life in ways that I want to give back because to me that is a priority and I will make space in my life for that whatever that is and 
that's a way for me to meet new people because they're like-minded, they have similar values. And I generally do form relationships with people that way. And that's a really nice step for me because I'm doing something that makes my heart beat, makes it, you know, pitter patter. And I'm also putting myself out there in a way that feels a little safe. You know, it's not, I don't feel so worried about the rejection because we're all there for a similar reason. So that's a, a one example for anyone out there who feels like they don't know where to start that's like a two birds with one stone for you, a way to do it. Yeah, I love that. And it's kind of like the same as if you were out there looking for someone to date, like go to the places that you would enjoy being and start doing the right. things that you want to be doing. Exactly. I mean, you, you want to be able to, you know, exist in a world or an environment that's going to make you thrive, that's going to help you be your best self. You know, I, you know, I'm still single and, and and haven't had children. And I laughed to myself because I was talking about to a friend about like having to like put in the effort. And I was like, Oh God, I don't want to have to connect with people and do the whole thing. And she's like, didn't you just write a book about like <laughs> connection with people? And I was like, yeah, I've taken my own advice. I didn't want to do it. I was like, it's too much work and I'm tired. I don't want to do it. And, you know, go out there and go to a bar and like meet someone and like, it's loud in there. And I don't like want to do all that. You know, it's like, I'm getting older. So I started thinking about that too. And I thought the same thing you did start doing things though, that is going to open up your network of people, but in a way that's going to make again, me, my best self there, me in a crowded, you know, dungy hole in the wall bar, not going to make me super happy right now in my life, but me going to an event that a friend like has invited me to like a party or something like that, that would, that would make me happy. And instead of saying, no, I have a date with Netflix because sometimes that is way more interesting to me than, you know, trying to talk to a guy. uh, I'm going to say, yes, that's actually one of my new year's resolutions this year is to say yes more. And I have been doing it probably not as best as I should, but saying yes more also is going to lead, you know, as in this conversation we have today is going to lead you to actually fulfilling a lot of this villager work too, because saying yes should be doing is hopefully resulting in new connections. Yeah, totally. Is it for people that are listening that are like, okay, there's the six, I can think of four or five, like, is it okay to have a smaller village as opposed to a larger one? Of course, I am not saying you need to go out there and make sure you have six people. And if you don't have six people, you're going to be a completely depressed and recluse person for the rest of your life. You know, it's whatever satiates you. It's whatever fulfills you. If you right now do these exercises and think, you know, I have four and I'm good. You know, I don't really need that organizer right now. Mm -hmm. And you may not. That organizer, and I talk about this as well in the book, there's this primary villages and secondary villages. And, you know, your primaries, you're talking about like mom, your husband, things like that. And then your secondary. And I use this example and people laugh, but it's so true. Secondary village for a lot of people, more often than not, makes me crack up every time. They're barista that they see like every morning. Oh my God, on their that's way. hilarious. They're like, I depend on this person to give me my caffeine. I know all about their life, their children, their family, their hopes, their dreams. This is someone that is in my secondary village that I actually like have a connection with. And I crack up because it's the funniest thing, but I get it. You know, and then also you have to understand that it is circumstantial. You may not need that dependable villager or organizer villager or healer villager right now in your life, but there may come a time in your life where that person is 
your lifeline. They are at the top because you're going through maybe a divorce. And the thing you need right now is having that healer with you to help you just navigate it on a day-to-day basis. And maybe it's a person that's already in your life that was in a certain seat, was in a certain role, but their role is going to change because they have the skill set to do that. Not everybody does. And I also want people to think about this as well. If you have a friendship right now that is failing you in some way, or you feel it is not fulfilling you, I want you to really look at it and wonder if you actually have cast that person in the right role. Because that person may be doing their very best and maybe giving you everything that they can of their heart and soul and their skill set, but they're still failing you. Maybe you're expecting something that they can't give. Hmm. So instead of them being your accepting villager, maybe they're more the organizer. And if you put them into that role, maybe then they're going to be able to achieve that success in your life that you're looking for within that friendship with one another. But so really take inventory of how you've cast people in these roles and do not expect people to meet you where you want them to be. You meet them where they are. It's not your job to change who they are to fit for you. Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned primary versus secondary village. So I just want to make sure I understand. So your primary is like the first six that you listed. Like if those are your ride or die, right? Those are your ride or die, but some of your secondary may fit into those six. It just depends on how much you're utilizing them in those roles. Like your barista could be your dependable villager because you depend on them for your caffeine every day. Right. But again, your ride or die people generally are fitting into your primary village. And yes, you can use those six to categorize them, but it's also more holistic than that. It's more conceptual than that. It's knowing that also secondary village also pops up in a circumstantial way. Again, when something in your life needs a certain amount of energy or it's a temporary amount of time that that need is presenting itself. Yeah. Can you give me some other examples other than the barista of (laughs) like what the secondary villagers might look like, like who those people are? Sure. So, you know, in in my life currently, I would say I, I just experienced this in my own community here. A family was going through a really hard time. The husband lost his wife at a really young age and young children and really needed a lot of help, not just meal trains, but, you know, helping get the kids to and from school, how to braid their hair, how to do their makeup for dance class, how to do a lot of different things that was not natural to this now single father. And the village in this community came to the rescue in that way to kind of fill in the gaps where he needed it. And this was, this wasn't, it it was recently within the last year, but as he got his feet underneath him, everyone started to finally let him kind of get back to his life and they backed away as it felt natural. In that moment, for that gentleman, these people in the community who were stepping in to take the child to dance and do their hair or do homework with them or step in where he couldn't necessarily do it because he was traveling for work, whatever it was, that was his secondary village. It felt very primary at the time, right? but it was secondary people in his life that were not people that necessarily were front and center in his life at all. They were people that came to the rescue in a moment of survival or crisis. Yeah. And I feel like we see that a lot when someone passes away or when there's like a tragedy that happens. Um, A lot of people come to support, you know, and that can be a really beautiful way to, you know, see that the secondary 
community is stepping up to really support that person. Right. And it's an important part of the puzzle. And again, even if it's temporary, it does not mean it loses its value. I mean, people who start GoFundMe, I mean, that's a very important thing. And that's going to change someone's life. But after that GoFundMe time is over, you know, that person that started it, the people that contributed to it, they're going back to their lives. So that was something circumstantial and secondary, but it absolutely served its purpose. And for people that are listening going, well, I don't think I would have any one from the community that would like step up and be those secondary people. You often don't know who those people are until these things happen. Like they can often be very unexpected people that you're like, wow, I never expected this person to come through for me the way that they did. It's being consciously compassionate. It's the ripple effect of empathy. You know, you drop that pebble in the water and, you know, this person who's out there, this hypothetical person who doesn't think they have those people there to step in. Well, whoever they do and whoever they do tell, most likely those people are going to go off and that's going to be the ripple effect. And that's when you're going to see the people come and, and come to the rescue. And so it's not your job to worry necessarily about those moments of crisis, about people being able to be there for you. You're going to plant that seed by saying to the people that are with you, you know, this is what's going on in my life and this is how I need help. And whatever way you're going to say that, then it's going to be up to those people to go out there and help build that support system for you. But you're not supposed to have all the answers to those questions. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to touch a little bit on, you know, we've talked a lot about the villagers and what they need to do to show up for you. Obviously, having a village, you have to foster the villager qualities inside of yourself to be a villager to other people. Can you touch a little bit on that? This work, as important it is for us to go out there and cast these people in our lives, you know, know thyself is a very important piece of this puzzle. We have to know who we are in other people's villages too. And you talked about at the beginning of the show about, you know, you have these relationships that are very reciprocal. And I'm sure you're thinking about, well, you know, I know what these people are doing for me, but I wonder how they would cast me or identify me. And when I wrote this book, it was funny because my friends and family would write me and they would say, when they were talking about it in their circles of people, they're like, well, my friends are telling me that they think I'm this villager or they think I'm none of these villagers. You know, wait, which one am I to you? And and, and I would tell them who they were to me. And they would a lot of times be shocked when I would tell. And I thought that was such an interesting moment, a really profound moment that they themselves did not see how they were serving me. Mm. And then when I also asked them the same thing about me, well, who am I to you? Some of them would say, well, you've been all six. And some of them will say, you know, well, you've been all of them, but at different times in my life. And right now you're the healer. It made me think about also too, I need to, on a daily basis, monthly basis, yearly basis, you know, I talked about New Year's resolutions. Wouldn't it be great if instead of us saying, I'm going to lose 10 pounds, it's going to be, I'm going to work on being the healer villager this year, because I feel like this is a set of things I can do. I'm capable of, and I want to be better at it. And I'm going to work on that this year. That's the challenge too, is sitting with yourself and understanding as you read this book about seeing yourself in the villagers too, and making an effort to make sure you're really leaning into those qualities and you're delivering. And also if your life has made you incapable of being one of those people right now, then be honest about that. When I was going through IVF, I had frozen my eggs when I was 35. I was going through like IVF and doing all this stuff. It was a, it was a crazy time in my life and all the hormones and all the emotion and all that. 
And I was like kind of worthless to a lot of people. Like I was like stuck in my own stuff. And I felt bad about that. And I told so many people, apologized so many times to friends saying, normally I would be able to be there right now for you through this or like paying attention to this or keeping a finger on the pulse of this. But I am like just not capable of doing it right now. And I'm sorry. I was honest, as honest as I could be. And of course, all my friends and family were very forgiving and loving and, you know, made no, no mention of it to me. But it's important for you to know what you're capable of and being direct about it. Yeah, there's been a lot of times where I've had, you know, I I think I fit the role for a lot of my friends of like if shit hits the fan and there's a big trauma, like I'm the person that gets called, which I love and appreciate. You're and the I, dependable one. You're the dependable yeah. emergency contact. Yeah. 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 And there take you and you know, take very seriously. But there's times when I'm going through it where I'm just like, I don't have the capacity. Like I love no. you. But like, I can't hold space for anyone other than like my little brain right now. And and you have to be able to like speak up for yourself when you don't have that. And it doesn't mean you're not a valuable friend. Right. It doesn't mean that, you know, don't have a purpose in, in people's lives. And that's an important thing to make mention of too, when you're doing this is none of this is going to be done perfectly and that's okay. None of us are going to be perfect friends, perfect spouses, perfect children, perfect, you know, grandchildren, all of this sort of thing. But we're trying, we're trying to grow and get better and learn more about ourselves and more about other people. And I also think curiosity is a big part of this work too. You have to be curious about yourself and the ways that you want to grow and looking in the mirror and maybe not seeing something that you love all that much about, not nothing about physical Again, there's a lot of honesty and vulnerability in this work that you're doing, but it's going to serve you because hopefully at the end, what you're going to end up with is a circle of people, no matter the quantity of people that are your people that are fulfilling you and your heart and your mind and your life in the right way. And you're doing the same for them. And it's this beautiful circle. But again, seasons, seasons of life, you know, it's not going to always stay the same and you have to be flexible about it. You have to be willing to accept also that things change and people change and that's okay. You can always go back, always go to the book, always keep working these steps no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. So spinning off from people grow and change and, you know, the ebbs and flows of friendship how would you explain like how to kind of deal with the emotions that come up around a friendship ending? Because I know so many times people are like, oh, but we've been friends for X amount of years or, oh, I, you know, like it's hard to let something go, even if the signs are very clearly in front of you of like this friendship has served its purpose or it's run its course. Like how do you rectify with letting that go? Well, you have options, you know, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship, if it becomes toxic or no longer serves you or served its purpose, whatever it may be, you have options. Maybe you're going to have a conversation with that person and be very blunt about where things have gotten to. Of course, in a breakup, you're going to have that that breakup conversation. That breakup conversation could happen with a friend too. I've had that happen. Friend of mine, we were a friend for many years. I went through a lot 
with her and not so much in my life, she was going through a lot and it became a very one-sided relationship. And I said to her that it felt like I was being taken advantage of Mm. and I I couldn't do it anymore. And it was really draining me. And at that time in her life, she was kind of too selfish to really hear me. She kind of blamed me for, you know, a lot of things. She's come back since then and made a lot of apologies about her behavior then, but we still are not friends. We have no bad blood toward each other, but that relationship did end and it served its purpose in its season. And I was honest with her about the fact that I wasn't able to participate in that friendship anymore. But there's other friendships where I felt that way, that it's no longer serving its purpose. And what I stopped doing was trying Mm. and I wanted to test it. If I stopped trying, stop calling, texting, making plans, all that, where's it going to go? And generally it fizzled out on its own. It solved itself. because I was the only one who was putting in the effort. But I would say those are your options. Your options are honesty. Again, saying it in a way that you can feel comfortable with and proud of yourself about it. And also you letting go and seeing what naturally takes place, but also giving yourself the permission to make those changes in your life. Yeah. That is a huge, a huge factor. And yeah. if you need someone to tell you, Gabrielle and I are telling you right now, you have, you have permission the permission to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you know what? You probably need to make room for someone else to come in and you're only wasting time making space for that in your life. And probably that person is taking up a lot of space in your life. And that ripple effect is probably permeating other relationships that deserve you to show up as your best self. And you're probably not doing that right now for them because this person's sucking so much of your energy and time. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Ooh. Okay. So to wrap up, what does one do if you move or you lose your community? Because so many times people are like, well, I got married. I moved across the country or I, you know, had this big life change and now I'm at a new job in a new city. What do you do if you lose that sense of community that's so important? The village burns down, right? For a lot of different reasons, by accident or design, or the village is lost for lots of reasons. My One of my best girlfriends just moved to Texas about a year or so ago. She's calling me on the phone when she finds out about this job transfer her husband had. And she's I don't know a soul in Houston. I know nobody. I don't want to move to Houston. I don't do well in the heat. What am I going to do about the chafing? I mean, it was cracking up. And she's crying, crying, crying. And I thought about sex in the city and the line that Samantha says to Carrie before she moves to Paris is, don't worry, your fabulousness will translate. Mm. And I said that to her, you know, just to kind of make her laugh. Of course, I do believe it about her. But when she got there, you know, she had to put her kids in school and do all of that. I said, you need to go to that playground and you're going to have other moms and other people there. I said, and you are not a wallflower, my love. Walk up to someone, strike up a conversation and be brave enough at the end to be like, this was so lovely speaking with you. It would be great to connect. Would it be okay if we exchange numbers? Take one step, one yeah. step, one number at it. You know, just do something today that is going to be you extending a hand or, you know, putting a foot out there. You're going to go to an activity that the community is having or whatever it may be. You have to put yourself out there. Again, people are not just going to show up at your front door and the village is here ready to serve. You're going to have to go outside your comfort zone. Perhaps you're going to have to get social. But again, I'm not saying go and be busy seven days a week. Pick and choose the things Mm -hmm. you're going to do in environments that are going to help you thrive. 
But if you are starting all over again, again, a good, you know, the book can help you with, you know, those steps in different, you know, ways, small steps that lead to big results. But it's about you being a little bit brave, a little bit social and putting the effort in. I like I always say, and I say this at the end of the book, here's the roadmap. I've given you the roadmap. You wanted the number to call. You wanted the directions to the village. Here it is. But you have to get in the car and drive there. Yeah. So just like any life until you decide you want it, nothing's going to change. Oh, my God. Florence Ann, this has been such a fucking valuable episode. I cannot <laughs> wait for people to hear it and slide into my DMs about this. Oh. Can you please tell everybody where they can find the book, where they can find you, yeah. all of the things? Yeah. Thank you. First of all, Gabrielle, this was such a, I mean, probably one of the top, if not the top conversations I've had. I, I could talk to you all day long. I wish oh, we just story each other so we could just <laughs> hang out on my porch. It, book, it, Build Your Village is everywhere books are sold. Your favorite bookseller is going to have it. You can go online and grab it. Amazon gets it to you sometime the same day I heard, which is lots of fun. And uh, go to my website, florenceand.com. I have tons of blogs and a newsletter that comes out once a month that has exclusive content that you're not going to get necessarily on my social media. However, I am extremely active on my social media and I answer every DM I get. I am your virtual village. You are not meant to do this work alone. I am with you. DM me and let's talk about it. If the first step for you is DMing me to help you make these changes, do it. I'm here. And I really do want to hear from you. So please do reach out. I love that. And what's your social media handle? Lawrence Dan Romano. Sorry, gosh, I went off on a tangent there thinking about <laughs> talking to people. I got all excited. And I thought I love it. Lawrence Dan Romano across the board on social. Make it I nice love and easy. it. I My love it. You guys go get the book, Build Your Village, A Guide to Finding Joy and Community in Every Stage of Your Life. This is such an important part of living a full, fulfilled life. So thank you so much for being here and sharing all this. Thank you, Gabrielle. You're a joy. Thank you. I want to thank Florence Ann again from the bottom of my heart for coming on and chatting with me. She was so fun and open. And this book is really a powerful tool that I think is going to help so many people. So make sure you check that out if today's episode resonated with you. I hope you guys got as much goodness as I got from interviewing her today because I get DMs all the time about friendships ending and how to really have a fulfilling tribe. It's so fucking important. And I think so often we go for you know, the judgment around having quantity over quality. And that's so not the way to look at it. Like my circle is fucking small, y'all. And the people in it are powerful. And life is busy. And you don't always have the energy to show up the way that you need to for other people in your life. So make sure the ones that you're choosing to put that energy to are deserving of it and are reciprocating it in the best way possible. Take care of yourself, FMLers. I love you. I will see you next week. All right, FMLers, if you don't want to miss an episode, make sure to follow on your favorite podcast app. And if you're loving the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can keep up with me on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone or the podcast page at FML Talk Podcast. For all the merch and books signed personally by me, you can shop the FML line on eatpreyfml.com. And as always, have a fucking self-love cocktail on me. Cheers.
Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.